Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Hi, Tiffany. How you I doing? I hear you're still stuffed up. I've given you how many weeks off? Two weeks off? Three weeks off? Because we missed a week. That was my it bad. It's been three weeks. Yeah. I'm sorry about the missing episode for those of you who are counting. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> I hope life, you'll forgive us. <laughs> I hope you'll forgive us. Sometimes life gets ahead of me. And uh, I just, it just didn't happen that week. And I was thinking maybe nobody will notice. But Well, we actually, ho- I kind of hope that they did notice. You know, I'd, I'd hope that our, yeah. our listeners out there are like, oh, no, Katie and Tiffany, where are they this week? So we hope you noticed, but we're sorry that you noticed. I don't know if that makes sense. But I feel the pressure of that as our main editor, producer type. Yeah. And a person who's put on like daily radio for 14 years, I feel terribly guilty. Like it just sort of hangs over me. Just remember, Katie, and and also those of you out there listening, maybe you didn't know this. This podcast is basically run by <laughs> <Love>. one person. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'd say two, but honestly, I don't do very much. Um, I just sort of show up and uh, you're the local color. Record. <laughs> I'm tr- I'm I'm trying to do more. I'm trying to do more. As soon as you know, as soon as I get over this mega cold um and by trying we put that in quotes we put the trying in quotes (laughs) i'm trying but katie does everything she does the editing she's the producer she i mean she does stuff that i don't even know that she's she's doing she's just out there doing it so a lot of podcasts she's trying to fix the website she's trying to fix the website She's trying to get things more technological. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's pretty general, but that's about all I can. Luckily, Derek's helping me with that. But then it seems like everything he tells me, he's like, but it's going to cost you X amount of money. It's going to do you. you know, it's always like, and we're going to need more money for this if you're going to do it that way. And you're just like, let me let me put it this way. Let me put it this <sighs> way. When when you listen to a podcast, you know how at the end of the podcast, they start thanking people. They're like, we'd like to thank our producer, such and such. We'd like to thank our social media person, such and such. We'd like to thank our, produ- you know, our editor, our this, our... Su- There's no one to thank at the end of our show because it's, <laughs> it's basically us. And that, but what I mean by us is Katie. Right. So you could just say, you know, instead of saying, uh, talk to you next week at the end of the show or whatever I, <laughs> I say at the end, I'll just pat myself on the back really loudly so you can hear it. <laughs> And be like, good for you for getting it out there one more week, Katie. Way to go. Way to go. Yeah. Plus, there's also the coordination of, for those of you who are newer listeners, Tiffany's in Rome. I'm in Seattle. So we have to coordinate the times of when we can talk. And she has to splice our audio together as well, which is complicated. It's a pain. Yeah. And like today, we were going to tape, what, 40 minutes ago, but mm. we were having Skype connection problems. People always ask me, by the way, how are we, how are we doing the interview with each other? Here's a little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> what we do is I'm taping myself on my side with a microphone and a little digital recorder. Tiffany is uh, taping herself on her side with some sort of specialized app that she got from the voice map people, mm-hmm. right? Well, they, they suggested it. They suggested it. So, yeah, we probably bought it or something. And then I spliced those together, but we are actually looking at each other through Skype. Exactly. So <laughs> I can see her while we're talking. Sometimes I taper through Skype, but I don't think that sounds as good. So that's why we make it more complicated. Yes, just so that it can sound better. Right. And then you can hear the little sounds of Rome in the background, like Claudio futzing around in the background right there. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, he's leaving the room, luckily, so hopefully it'll be a bit qu- more quiet. <laughs> so, Katie, uh, I heard some news today that was a little bit upsetting to me. Uh-oh. Yes. Um, not the sort of top page news that's very upsetting, which I'm not even going to go into. You know what that is. Mm-hmm. Down the page a little bit. It is official. They're opening a Starbucks in Milan. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. And this is... <laughs> Yeah, this is something that has been debated. I don't know by whom. I don't know who was the, you know, who had the final say in all of this. But it's been, are they going to open Starbucks in Italy? Is it ever going to happen? And, you know, a lot of people say it'll never happen. It'll never happen. And it's happening. It's happening in about a year. Oh. There will be a Starbucks in Milan. And this is causing a little bit of an, I don't want to say uproar. That's probably <laughs> a bit dramatic. But definitely... People are are talking about this, and I don't know. Had you heard anything about this on over over in Seattle land, Coffee Land? Well, you know, this is the hardest Starbucks here, and so I, in fact, I just was at a meeting at Starbucks headquarters like three weeks ago. This is the home. This is the origin story of Starbucks. So I have been hearing about it. I knew that they were exploring it as an option for, gosh, how long have I been hearing about that? At least a year, if not longer. Oh, no, it's been years. A year, but it, it feels like it was almost years. longer than that. I feel like it no, wasn't been, very long after been, I got back from Italy that they were talking about doing that. I think they've been talking about it even longer. I feel like they've been. I feel like it's been in the national discourse <laughs> for years. And just in case you know anyone listening, you know how maybe hasn't been to Italy or isn't familiar with Italian coffee. Italian coffee is. Most people would agree the best coffee in the world. Now, I will put out there, I am not a coffee drinker, so I am far from being an expert on coffee. But Italian coffee, everyone says, is pretty good. And it's also really cheap. Like if you go into a coffee shop in Italy, you can go into the best coffee shop in Rome, the one that famously serves the best coffee. If you get an espresso, which is what most people drink, it's usually about the same price. It's usually around a euro or less. As long as you don't sit down and get table service. If you're just sitting up, standing up at the bar, it's usually about 80 cents, 80, 90 cents, maybe a euro. And it's incredible. If you get a cappuccino, which, you know, of course has some milk in it, not as much as an American cappuccino, but it has some, I still think it's about the same price. Maybe it's a, a euro ten or something like that. It's a little bit more because is that's it a bit what more? Like maybe one ten, one twenty. It depends. But yeah, somewhere in there. I mean, you're not like three three euros for a coffee or four. I don't even know what Starbucks coffee costs, but I know it's a lot. Mm-hmm. For me, I just can't even imagine. I mean, I can imagine them doing it because people are weird and they do weird things, but. It seems like it would be so backward for an Italian in Italy to go into a chain American coffee store that's definitely going to have, I'm sorry, don't want to offend any Starbucks fans out there, but it's definitely going to be a lower quality product for two, three, four times the price. It just, I just don't, well, why would you do that? This is the thing. I will be interested to find out what happens with this coffee shop because I think it's almost more of an import, not, I mean, it is an import of Starbucks coffee, but I think it's almost more of an import of American coffee culture. Mm -hmm. And that 
is totally different than Italian coffee culture. And I actually have to say, as a uh, person who's lived in America the majority of my life, I prefer American coffee culture to Italian, the Italian version. Like, I don't want to go into a coffee shop and drink a cappuccino standing at a bar. You know, I just, what's the point? I feel like I want to sit there with my big mug of coffee (laughs) and stay for a while and like write and talk and eat my cookie or my croissant or whatever, hang around for a while and work for an hour, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Or like get my giant coffee in my to-go mug and sip it on the bus all the way to work. You know, I prefer that as an American. Now, that's not how Italians operate. Coffee is something that happens fast and Yes, socially, but it's not like a, let's hang around for six hours and just get refill after refill of this coffee. So I'll be interested to know if um, if it catches on that sort of hanging out in a coffee shop for hours lifestyle that Starbucks is going to try to bring in. Yeah, I'm very curious about that as well. I totally get what you're saying about wanting the big cup of coffee and, and relaxing. As you know, I'm not a coffee drinker, as I just said, but I'm a tea drinker. And tea, by definition, is a it's a slower drink than coffee, at least than Italian coffee. And whenever I go into a bar with someone, by bar, I mean a coffee bar, I mean, it doesn't happen that often, quite frankly, because I don't really drink tea during the day. Usually I just have it in the mornings. I usually have it at home or at work maximum. But every so often, for some reason, I'll be, you know, walking around downtown and with some Italian, usually my husband, but or someone else. <laughs> just some <laughs> Italian. Usually it's Claudia. But... It could be some random person. <laughs> who knows? Um, and we go in. The same thing always happens. He'll or she or whoever the other person I'm with will order a coffee and I will order a tea. And they will immediately go and make the coffee first. Okay, this frustrates me so much because tea has to steep, right? (laughs) And it takes longer. (laughs) So they go, they're super fast and they they put the coffee in. It's done. They like set it up there. Then they get the little pitcher thing, the little small aluminum pitcher, and they they fill it up with the boiling water and they pour it in the teacup and they put it on the saucer and they just the way Italians do tea is tragic. <laughs> they put the little tea bag beside, like they don't put the tea bag in the water when it's boiling. They put it like next to it. So you have to sort of, and it's always like half full. <laughs> but my point is then I have to put the tea bag into the water and I have to wait for it to steep like three, four minutes. By the time, even before it's ready to be drunk, the person I'm with has finished their coffee and they're like, okay, what's going on? What's the holdup? <laughs> like, yeah. And it, I keep, I always want to say to the Slam barista, yeah, <laughs> I always want to say to the barista, can you make the tea first, please? But then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell this person how to do their job, but it's horrible. And then of course you have to ask them for milk because they're not going to bring you milk because Italians don't put milk in their tea. So I have to ask and like three or four times for them to bring milk. Finally, they bring it. Literally, it takes like 20 minutes and the coffee took two minutes. So so Starbucks for you might be a great thing. You well, guys are going to move to Milan yeah. just for Starbucks. Um, I do <laughs> like the fact that you can go in there and you can stay as long as you want and people don't care because in Italy, that's not the case unless it's like your local place. There are some places, not anywhere like by a really important monument. That's <laughs> not going to happen there. <laughs> Move along. Yeah. Yeah. But if you live, you know, in your little neighborhood, if you have a local bar, 
and you know the people there really well, and they usually run by families, you might be able to go in there and spend an hour and they won't care. But it's not really a thing. There are a few sort of more modern-y places that, that are starting to do it, but you don't want to exaggerate. And by exaggerate, I mean exaggerate the behavior. You don't want to take advantage, you know? So you always feel like, oh my God, I've been in here an hour. I've got to go. Or like the people are going to like give me the evil eye. They've got to get out of here. I've got to free up the table. So in that sense, I think that Starbucks is great for that. And the chairs are super comfortable, you know? And But it bothers me the idea that already in Italy, so many family-owned shops are going out of business and, you know, the guy who made handmade ties and the guy who had a fish shop stand or whatever, these businesses are going out of business so quickly, especially in the center of the city, because those where the rents, of course, are unaffordable. They're kind of being snapped up by people selling souvenirs, really cheap, tacky, you know, made in China souvenirs or mini markets selling potato chips and Coke it's sad. It's sad for the um, the people who lose their livelihoods, and it's sad for the city that loses that artisan or that family-run business. Those things, to me, are so valuable, and they're so much a part of what makes the city what it is. And I think, especially in Italy, I think that is something so such a part of Italian culture and their heritage is their. They're the artisans and they're craftsmen. And so coffee shops are one of the few things that really haven't suffered from that. Almost every coffee shop in the city is an independent family-owned affair. And, you know, you've got the mom working the cash register and the dad and the daughter are making the coffee. The son is in the back cleaning the bathrooms or whatever. It's so nice. And I just would hate for Starbucks to come in, open their flashy store, and for these family-run cafes to go out of business. Yeah. Should I play devil's advocate in this regard? Because I, yes, I mean, the play, problem... I want to hear you to play devil's advocate. The yes, reason why we were debating whether or not to actually talk about this topic was because we thought that we would both feel exactly the same way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that neither one of us is super in favor of corporate America moving into Italy and taking over, right? And that we're both very much like the kind of mom and pop cobbled together thing that's going on in Italy. But I will play devil's advocate just for the sake of the argument. So what is the worry here is that Starbucks will move in and just like it happened in the United States, they were selling something everybody wanted and they became mega popular and now you can't walk through Seattle without hitting a Starbucks every couple blocks, right? Mm-hmm. And that's literally true. There are Starbucks like that are half a block from each other <laughs> in some cases. <laughs> and the tourist line, by the way, if you ever come to Seattle, we have the original Starbucks here, the <laughs> very first store. And you can hop in the long line of people waiting to just set foot in it. Uh, if you ever come as a tourist to Seattle, um, by the way, it looks almost exactly like all of the other Starbucks, so you don't really have to go inside. Or you can come to Rome and you can come to the Coliseum. Your choice. You can go to the Milan Starbucks. Can- <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, just as an aside, anyway. sometimes it's sad 
what Americans classify as a historic site. I'm sorry, it's sad, especially on the West Coast. There's, and I'm from the West Coast, and I love the West Coast, but well, there's no freaking history much. over there. It's sad that a, that a shop that was opened in the 1970s is historic. <laughs> it's sad. It's not historic. It's the it's the beginning of an empire, like a truly powerful, delicious, in most people's opinion, empire. That is Starbucks. Is it really delicious so, in most people's opinion? I mean, well, I talk to people who think that Starbucks coffee tastes like dishwater. That's what people, that, at least that's what people say over here. They say Starbucks tastes like dishwater and it's scalding hot. They have to heat it so hot so it covers up the taste. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I can say I only, with the exception of when I was living in Italy, I only ever drink black coffee black drip coffee. Mm-hmm. I would say that I would walk an um, extra mile to get anything other than Starbucks black drip coffee, personally. I think their coffee is very acidic and I don't like it. That said, though, my sister, who loves the Breve latte, which they make, which is made with, correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, I believe it's made with half and half instead of milk. Yikes. A latte, but with half and half. My sister will drive an hour to get that because it's so delicious, in her opinion. So obviously, she's not alone. They've tapped into a market of people who want these sort of of fancy drinks. I don't know how they think about their drip coffee. It's probably not a major priority for them, like it is with nobody. Never a a big priority. Hmm. So I don't know. But anyway, going back to playing devil's advocate, (laughs) this is the problem. And the worry, probably, of Italians of bringing Starbucks in. Just as Starbucks entered Japan and, and all those other places and was wildly popular, right? Is Starbucks, though, just giving people what they want? Is it annoying, for instance, to have to always move along or sit at the bar and slam your coffee and leave? Are they kind of tapping into a change in the culture? And by that realm, they will succeed, and well, we'll maybe, have to see. Maybe, and here's where I'm going to get really cruel. Maybe if those mom and pop shops were a little bit more like lenient about letting you sit down without charging you more, <laughs> that people would uh, not be searching for a different kind of culture. It's possible. And they may not be searching for a different kind of culture in Italy. That's not what well, I'm necessarily well, yeah, saying. Yeah, we'll but. have to see. I mean, Italians, I feel that Italians don't stand at the bar and slam their coffee because it's cheaper than sitting down. I know. That's what Americans do. I think that they stand at the car, the bar and slam their coffee because that's the way you drink coffee to them. Right. Yeah, I know. And the only people sitting down at the tables are tourists, people who are actually eating something in addition to the coffee, and I don't know, maybe older people reading a newspaper it's, it's funny because Italians are so, such slow people. They don't rush usually. They take their time. They're not like Americans. Oh my God, I got to get back to work. I got to have a meeting. Oh my God, I got to go. I got to be on time. That's <laughs> not Italy. But they do three things fast. <laughs> they talk fast, they drive fast, and they drink their coffee fast. And I, I can get the driving fast. That's just everybody. Everybody wants to get where they're going fast. And I can get the talking fast, but I don't get why Italians 
It seems like a paradox. Americans are on the go, on the go, on the go, but they'll sit in a cafe for three hours with their coffee. <laughs> Whereas at Italians... Night. At night, too. At night, yeah. Italians will walk so slowly down the sidewalk, spend 30, 40 minutes in the middle of their workday, and slam their coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's so... It's, so <clears throat> it's such a paradox. I don't get it. But it remains to be seen whether they also are craving that sort of relaxing, sit in the cafe in a big comfy armchair. We'll see, I guess. Are they looking for a 16-ounce <laughs> brevet latte? Uh, I don't, that I don't think so. I can get them wanting the culture around Starbucks, like you said, but I, I don't think that they're going to be satisfied by the actual product. The idea of putting flavor in coffee... Like syrup. But wait until they get that sugar high. They, <laughs> Italians love their... They do love their sugar. Their they sugary, do. sugary things. Well, they love sugar in the morning. Like eat croissants for breakfast and donuts I and know. cookies. So what has Starbucks done but made it acceptable for adults to essentially drink a milkshake every single day? <laughs> They're <You> genius. <laughs> I feel I can see them getting on board. <laughs> Here's something else about Starbucks, which I don't know will help Italians go there, but it, it will definitely get the tourists in there. Starbucks has perfected what McDonald's did, which is create a place that it doesn't matter where you are in the country or the world now. It doesn't matter if you're in Boston or in Seattle or Singapore. If you go in that place, it is going to be exactly the same. It's going to look the same. The food is going to be the same. The smells are going to be the same. The music playing is going to be the same. So they did this at McDonald's. It worked. And they did it at Starbucks, and it worked. And people crave that sense of familiarity. And even somebody who's like across town in an area of town that they don't usually go and maybe they're between meetings or something and they see a Starbucks and they know what they know what they're going to find there. Whereas, you know, you walk into a place you've never been, you don't know what the bathrooms are, are they going to be dirty, you know, is the coffee going to be good? Is there going to be anything to eat? Is there going to be a place for me to sit? This is really the the formula I think that has made them so successful more than their coffee is that people know what to expect and I think that's especially true for tourists who you know, I think the majority of tourists, not all of them, but I think the majority of tourists would like to avoid going out of their comfort zone as much as possible. They've already like made the leap to go to a foreign country. And for some people, that's like all that they can handle. And they want to stay in their hotel and be comfortable and take taxis. And if they see a Starbucks, ah, oh, Starbucks, thank God. You know, I worked as a tour guide for many years and I had people ask me, where is the Starbucks? And I would just shake my head and be like, man, don't you know the best coffee in the world is here? Why do you want to go to Starbucks? But it's not about the coffee. I think it's about the atmosphere of the feeling of familiarity and of, of being at home. Yeah, the culture. It's sort of like on military bases around the world. Derek was stationed in South Korea and... On the bases, there's everything there that you would find in a, at least from he, what he reports, I've never seen it, but there's all these things that you would find in a normal American 
town. There's a movie theater and a Starbucks and a McDonald's and whatever. And part of that is because they're trying to make these people who are on duty feel as comfortable as possible because they're they are probably in a place with their entire family in some cases that they didn't necessarily choose two months from now or two years from now they're gonna have to move to another place that they might not necessarily choose and so it's trying to make this continuum of experience so you might be living in South Korea, but if you never leave the base, you might feel like you're living in America still. But that's not a good thing. <laughs> like, I get it. I, I get why they do it. Because, you know, if you're a military wife, you did not ask to move to South Korea. You were not a willing expat in a sense. You did not say, oh, I want an adventure. I'm going to move to South Korea. So it's not really fair to force people into a foreign culture if that's not what they chose. So I get why they do it. But I think that... Wouldn't it be a more enriching experience if they did say like, hey, you know what? I'm going to, okay, I'm not going to say move outside of the base, but I'm going to go try to make friends with some locals. I don't know. I'm going to, instead of eating at the local Arby's, let's let's go and try some local Korean food. I don't know. Don't you think that, that it would be a... Yeah. I mean, you can't just live in a little enclave. I mean, I guess you can, but... But you see, you can. And I think I, I do... I mean, Derek didn't live there. So I think that you can choose to live off of it if you if you want more of that experience. But somebody who's actually in the military should write in and tell us about this. Stuff <laughs> because I could just... If you're like a military wife, I want to talk to you. Or a military husband. So, well, um, we should wrap it up soon. But I do have a final question for you. Feel free to weigh in, by the way, all you listeners, about whether you think a Starbucks has any right to set foot in Italy or a McDonald's for that matter. But it's too late there. They're there already. Um, too late for that. Yeah, I know. Maybe that's why this is such a like uproar is because it's it's not too late. It's coming, but it's not yet there. And is it the first wave of all this American stuff entering Italy that you don't necessarily want? But here's my final question for you, though. Given that searching for comfort that tourists often feel or even new expats often feel, have you, Tiffany, are you a person who has visited a McDonald's, gone to like any one of these recognizable spots in your travels around the world looking for comfort or familiarity or not walking into a restaurant for once and not knowing what you're going to get? I've never gone to, well, I'm not going to say never, but it's been a long time since I've been to a McDonald's anywhere in the world, um, but especially in Europe. The only time I ever did it was when I was in in Italy in night. It was, you know what? It was the same trip that I took the hat boxes on. Do you remember that story? <laughs> Go back to it was the hat trip. box if you it haven't was, heard it. Go back to the hat box episode. <laughs> I, I happened to be in Italy. Box. I saw that. <laughs> I happened to be in Italy with a pair of hat boxes. And um, I was 19 at the time. And my ex-boyfriend uh, and I were, I think we'd taken a day trip to Venice. And we were we were on our way back to Cremona, which is where we were staying. And there was a McDonald's right by the station. And he was like, let's get McDonald's. At first I was like, no. Yeah, let's get McDonald's. And I remember, <laughs> it's been so long now, and like it's crazy to me because I haven't eaten McDonald's in, in like over fifteen years at least. And the thought of eating at McDonald's—no offense—but turns my stomach. Uh, not because I'm a food snob. I'm absolutely not a food snob, but I, I don't do uh, McDonald's or Burger King or etc. But I just remember feeling that sense of, 
for a moment, you're no longer in that kind of traveler's world of where am I? What am I doing? Am I going to be robbed? Do I know where I'm going? You know, it's like, I just, you pause that moment and all of a sudden you're at home. So yes, one time that I can remember, but I can't think of any, anything else except I'm sure I've been to a Starbucks in a foreign country. I can't, like, it's not standing out in my mind. I'm sure that it, it must've happened, but it must've been so long ago. Like the, I remember when I was in in Vienna, I went by myself to Vienna in 2006, and um, I had my little trusty guidebook, and I looked up all the like famous coffee shops, like the coffee houses, because really, the Starbucks model, they say they're kind of inspired by Italian coffee houses. They're not. They're inspired by Venetian coffee houses, because that was the real, true, original coffee culture, where you go in the coffee house, you sit down, you have a newspaper, and you spend three hours just sitting in there. They did that in Vienna. And so, I, but I found like the real places, like the historic places where historic characters had been. So I'm, I'm not trying to congratulate myself here, but I, I do, as a tourist, when I'm a tourist, I try to find the um, places that are characteristic of the place that I am, whether that's the food that I choose to eat or the historic places. I try, I want I don't want to just shut myself up in a, an American enclave. That said, I did go and eat Italian food when I was in India, <laughs> to my eternal shame. <laughs> I was homesick for, I went to India for six weeks and I was homesick for Italy and I needed to eat Italian food. What did and you I have? went to this Italian restaurant. The Italian food was terrible and I met some Italian people. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> because Italians oh, don't eat anything Italians, but Italian they travel, food. All they, eat, they only eat Italian food. Oh, that's so great. That's I guess so everyone's great. the same, you know? Americans look for American stuff when they're abroad. Italians look for Italian stuff. It's true. I mean, there is something about flavor and atmosphere. I'm not a very good researcher, so rather than knowing all the best Venetian coffee houses, I would just be like wandering the streets until I found something, <laughs> which is a failing of mine. As we well have established on this show, I love when I travel with people who have done stuff like that, <laughs> put in the research and then take me to some awesome Venetian coffee house, you know, or you tell me, meet me at this specific place in Rome. And I'm like, well, this place is great. And then I just go back there until you suggest a different spot, right? That's, that's how I am. Because I don't plan, the hardest part about traveling is not being able to find anything good to eat. So tired of searching around and like an hour goes by and you're looking at this restaurant's menu and that restaurant's menu and yeah, you know. Absolutely. You're like, I just want to know where the heck I should go to breakfast or whatever it is. And I think that that is where places like corporations, corporate restaurants, corporate coffee houses play their role. I don't got to look at the menu there i've walked in there i know what that's like so but that said long and the short and all the devil advocacy aside i kind of wish it wasn't happening mm -hmm. and i hope that if anything one or two starbucks no big deal i just hope it doesn't totally catch on yeah me too that said am i gonna be a person who doesn't go there if i'm there hmm. who knows <laughs> i know i know i, I have know. to I have to ask myself the same thing. Like, if there was a Starbucks in Rome, would I avoid it? Would I boycott it on principle? Or 
in looking for a place to write your book out in the world. But Did I do you end up sitting at Starbucks for seven hours. <laughs> seven. I have to say, I I don't. I actually don't work really well in public places. I like to write at home with like no distractions. I get distracted easily. I like the idea of going to a cafe and writing, and I'll like pack up my computer and my stuff, and I'll go there and I'll sit down and I'll be like. And, you know, look at my phone and then realize that my, my, my computer screen has terrible, like, like you can't see it in the light of the day. And I just can't get any work done in cafes. So I, I probably wouldn't even feel the need to go there. Good. Stay strong, Tiffany. Except for, for like the little lemon tarts that they have. Those are good. Yeah. They do have an eight grain roll. That's really nice, too. Anyway, though, obviously we're torn, but yeah, weigh in. Tell us what you think. And uh, yeah, I, I do have to say that I think that one of the most beautiful things about traveling is when everything isn't unified. And I sure do like going to places that don't have American corporations everywhere. I live in that. It's not like I think Starbucks is the evil empire, because I don't. They do a lot of good in the world also. But yeah, I, I don't relish the idea any more than I would relish the idea of Starbucks moving into Vietnam. There, I'll leave it there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about you, any last words? Um, I, all I can say is I'm very curious to see what will happen. I know that from a friend of mine who is from Paris, when, when Starbucks came to Paris, they kind of thought the same thing. They thought, oh, well, you know, in France we have great coffee and there's a lover catch on. And it became the, it was the popular place to go. It was like where all the cool people were. That could happen here too. Or people could reject it and say, oh, why am I spending three euros on a coffee that doesn't even taste good so we'll see we'll see should we make a prediction do we want to make a prediction oh it's so hard to make predictions i predict that it will be totally packed totally packed that's my prediction because mm-hmm. it's one it's being like super hyped for a long time mm-hmm. everybody's gonna want to go see what it looks like mm-hmm. and i think it will be super packed i think it's gonna but forever it's gonna take off I can yes, think forever. I, forever. Forever. Oh. I'm going to say that it's going to be very popular at first, but people are going to quickly lose interest because they're not going to want to pay three bucks for coffee. Let's leave it there for now. But feel free yes. to weigh in on Twitter at BittersweetPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheBittersweetLife. Email us, BittersweetLife at Mail.com. And... Donate to this podcast to keep it alive. That would be really helpful right now because I'm looking at a wall of bills and it's disheartening. Um, and I do want to thank those of you who actually have donated already. And like I keep saying, we just got to shout out some names. But Terry and John specifically, I want to call you guys out because you are the only two who have regularly scheduled payments of a donation every single month. I love seeing your names every time it comes up. And literally, you are sometimes the only thing that's keeping this show alive. So thank you to Terry and John. Thank you so much. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes, maybe five stars if you like the show. It will help other people discover that we exist. Thank you. You're the best.